0: you're listening to Family Pedals, the podcast for people questioning the status quo and living life a little bit differently. I'm your host, Sarah Copper. Today is part one of a two-part interview with Elspeth Cool. As you'll hear, Elspeth originally had no interest in biking. That changed after she discovered cargo bikes and wanted to find an easier way to get around Chicago with her kids. It eventually led to her starting her own business, Four Star Family Cyclery, which we talk about in more detail in the next episode. Today, she shares her personal biking story, how she bikes through the Chicago winter, and how she handles the curiosity and judgment that comes with being a biking family. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I hope you do too. Elspeth, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Sarah. It is really great to be here.
0: I first heard about you via Instagram, one of my listeners recommended that you would be a great guest for the show. And then when I looked into your business and what you do and your story, I thought, absolutely, we needed to have you on.
1: Oh, well, thank you.
0: And now here you are. Let's start by having you give a really brief introduction to who you are.
1: All right. Well, my name is Elsbeth Cool, which is kind of crazy.
0: It's spelled (laughs) like
1: C-O-O-L. So please hold the cool jokes because I've heard all of them. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. And I live in Chicago, and I have two kids who are almost six and three and a half. My husband and I have lived in Chicago for almost 10 years now, and we love it here.
0: And how did your family become car-free? Because in your situation... Your car-free story is actually different than your biking for transportation story. Yes, I'm sort of an
1: odd duck in that I, I was not a rabidly passionate cyclist before I had kids. I was actually totally the opposite. I completely refused to ride a bike. We've been car-free since we moved to Chicago. So it was 2008, you know, major economic downturn. Both of us felt lucky to have jobs, but they certainly weren't paying a lot. And when we moved to Chicago, I had a car. I sold it before we moved, and we were able to find an apartment in an area that had a lot of transportation, really kind of right outside our front door. We have a major bus, and within a five to ten minute walk, we can catch three other buses and the one of the major train lines that goes straight downtown. So it kind of felt like, why would we have a car? It's just the two of us. We can save so much money. Uh, We don't have to pay for just the basic expenses of a car. But then also here in Chicago, you have to pay for a city sticker. You get tickets probably about once a month. (laughs) and They're (laughs) expensive. So we were very happy living without a car. Um, My husband hadn't had a car for a while. I think he sold his car like the second year he was in college and never looked back and I had been living overseas for a while and didn't have a car where that's sort of much more socially acceptable yes and then I had moved back to the states and had a car for about a year and was so over it sort of like once you experience life with good public transit and not having to deal with the hassle of having a car I was I was ready to be done. So we moved to Chicago and never looked back.
0: So why do you think originally you were resistant to riding a bike? And then what caused that switch for you to start biking more?
1: Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a relatively urban area, Philadelphia, and we rode our bikes and rollerbladed everywhere. <laughs> nice. uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful childhood. So very walking, you know, we walked to the library, walked to the pool, we walked everywhere that we could. I'm sure my mom thought it was much better than having to wrestle four children into their car seats. So that was how I grew up and then just kind of fell away from riding a bike like most American teenagers do. None of your friends ride a bike. Everyone's getting their driver's license. And so my then boyfriend, who was not yet my husband. He and one of our friends were out on a bike ride in where I was living. It was a pretty rural area in Pennsylvania. And they had um, this really catastrophic hit and run with a pickup truck. My husband was fine. He bailed off his bike into a ditch, but our other friend, who was also riding, got hit really badly, broke his femur. It was horrible. Um, it happened about a mile from where I was living and I heard the sirens and I just knew that if something was wrong with them, so I jumped in my car, went flying down, I knew what route they were taking and I was one of the first people there. And that was, that was about six months before we moved to Chicago to the city. So that was just sort of traumatic, And then the first weekend that I lived in Chicago, I saw two bike accidents. Wow. It was just like a bad, you know, on top of this already sort of traumatic experience. So I just decided I was not interested at all. My husband rode his bike every day to work, 12 miles round trip. He just loved to bike. Which I was like, great, that's your thing. That is not my thing. (laughs) Which he was he was nice about. I'm sure he was like, we could actually like go places really efficiently if you would (laughs) just ride a bike. But I was not emotionally ready at all. It just felt really chaotic and out of control and just overwhelming in the city. And
0: I'm sure especially in a new place when you're not as familiar with the roads. And so it just all feels really overwhelming, like you said.
1: Yep. So that was how it was for years. And it was not until... We had our first child that I began to entertain the idea of biking. We chose to not have a car. Then when I was pregnant with our first child, everyone was like, oh, now you're going to have to buy a car.
0: Mm -hmm. I've heard that as well. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: I'm not quite sure why everyone thinks the baby needs a car, (laughs) but we thought, well, you know, maybe we will. So we survived our first winter without a car, which honestly, in hindsight, We were renting an apartment. We didn't have a garage, so we would have been parking on the street. I just don't understand how you do the logistics of digging your car out of snow Mm. in 15 degrees. What do you do with a kid? Right. Do you put them in the cold car? Do you leave them upstairs by yourself? Do you make your partner get out of bed an hour early so they can shovel the car out before they leave for work? I still don't understand how that happens. Anyway. We decided that it was still easier not having a car than to have a car. And we would just put this tiny person who kept you really nice and warm, actually, Mm -hmm. on in the baby carrier on the front, put the coat over and catch the bus. It was great. But then it was a lot to carry like a one and a half year old on my back and a couple bags of groceries on the bus. That was getting to be physically taxing. Right. You know, you're at the grocery store like, okay, do I want to buy this jar of pasta sauce? How badly do I want to carry this home? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and there's also the logistics of you have a baby on your back. So when you get on the bus, you're finding a spot for your stuff. You're taking exactly. your child off. you're, And then the reverse as soon as you're getting off the bus.
1: Yep. Yeah, people would always offer me like, oh, do you want to sit here? Like, it's actually easier for me to just keep standing up. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) So that was getting to be very tiresome. And having a stroller on the bus is really hard, too. Yes. So it was just sort of like, there's no good way to do this. And I had started seeing around our neighborhood, just as, you know, we were walking around, I would see these women riding these crazy bikes with kids. I had never, I'd never seen anything like it. It was just sort of this moment of whoa for me they were wearing normal clothes they weren't all kitted out in spandex they looked super happy they weren't riding really fast breaking any land speed records um and
0: it's hard to do that in a cargo bike uh, yeah
1: (laughs) Uh, their kids looked like they were having fun and i would i would see these bikes parked outside the library and outside the grocery store and it was just sort of this slow realization to me like wow they are they're doing this and they're not crazy athletic or they're just people like me Mm -hmm. maybe i could do it too so then i started you know what do you type into google giant bike (laughs) that carries kids (laughs) so that's what i did and Finally, you know, figured out what a cargo bike was and started reading. And this was sort of in the internet age of blog explosion. So everybody had a blog. So there were all these families who were blogging about riding with kids. It was like a goldmine. I mean, I just kept reading about all these parents' experiences, different kinds of bikes and all over the country. And it just sort of, yeah, I guess I caught the bug this looks like so much fun and it makes so much sense for getting around the city and I get exercise and my kids get fresh air. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of the best of everything. So then I didn't tell my husband that I was doing anything. <laughs> I had to maintain some, some faith here. So he got home from work one night and I dropped the bomb on him. I think that we need to get a cargo bike. And he said, what? You don't even like riding a bike. (laughs) And I said, I know, but I think that I'm going to like riding this bike. Yeah. I can just tell. But he was like, no, they're so expensive. You don't even ride. Like, how do you know that this is going to be worth it?
0: It's a big investment if there is that unknown.
1: It's a huge investment. Yeah. So we decided to compromise. It just so happened that I had a friend who was moving And so she gave me her bike, which was very kind. And then we bought a used trailer on Craigslist. So that was our, we're going to dip our toes in the water here and try this. Mm -hmm. So we started riding our bikes on Saturday mornings. We would go for family bike excursions. I was very lucky because my husband is a very experienced urban commuter. So he was basically my coach because I had no idea how do you navigate this?
0: No, it's such a help to have somebody who can show you the routes and who Seriously. knows where the trouble spots are and also where the secret shortcuts are mm-hmm. that you wouldn't find via Google Maps. You only find that from experiencing it and talking yeah. to other people who are doing it.
1: Yep. So I, we would throw some snacks in the trailer for our kid and just take off and I would just follow him. Just Learning, okay, this is how you navigate your way through a stoplight when there's a bunch of cars backed up. Mm-hmm. This is how you make a left turn through an intersection. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know that there were options for how you navigated that. That was like bike school for me. So we pretty much did that for about two or three months. And I just slowly got more confident. He towed the trailer. I, I wasn't responsible for anything except my own Uh, safety, which was also helpful to be able to not have to worry about, you know, the kid while I'm trying to also learn how to bike. Right. And then we started, oh, we're going to, we're going to bike here and we're going past the grocery store. So we need milk. Let's just stop. We started kind of slowly doing errands, but pretty quickly ran into, we can't jam that many grocery bags into the trailer around our child Mm -hmm. before she's very (laughs) unhappy. That sort of started to convince my husband that maybe this whole cargo bike idea wasn't so crazy. And I was really enjoying riding my bike. And I was even starting to do it independently. I had to get somewhere. So we then had to find a cargo bike that fit our totally insane list of qualifications, which was that we lived in a fourth floor walk-up. We basically could store a couple bikes in the vestibule under the stairs. So it had to fit under the stairs because we certainly couldn't carry anything up four flights of stairs. We had a pretty small budget, so it was sort of like, there's only one bike that will work. And I had found it online and it was the first folding cargo bike that Extra Cycle had released in collaboration with Turn. Okay. So it was called the Cargo Joe. Great, great bike. So then I had to find someone who would order it for me. (laughs) So I spent hours on the phone. I talked to probably 10 different bike shops who were either extra cycle or turn dealers. None of them were even stocking the bike. They all pretty much told me that it was a horrible idea and really stupid and folding bikes are dumb and I shouldn't waste my time.
0: Very encouraging.
1: One guy actually told me that I should move. If I wanted to bike, your life needs to fit around the bike, not the bike should fit around your life. (laughs) That was sort of really almost put me off it. But my last phone call was to this wonderful shop that sadly no longer exists called Rapid Transit. And they actually have some women who work there. And I happened to get to talk to one of the women and I explained to her what was going on. And she said, That sounds wonderful, and if that bike is what is going to help you start riding with your kid and be able to do all this stuff around the city, I will order it for you today. (laughs) So it was just like a total night and day experience. And so they ordered the bike for us. They told us that it didn't work out because we hadn't ever ridden it. It was just sort of buying it on faith that this was going to be the right bike because it was the only one that would work. So they told us that we could return it, they would accept it, which none of the other shops were willing to do. So we ordered it with our fingers crossed, and they got it and built it up for us. And then we had a cargo bike that I totally fell in love with.
0: Yeah, I've also had really varying experiences with different bike shops. And that's something I would recommend to people. If you have a really negative experience one place, not every place is like that. And that Bike shops really do specialize in different things and have different areas of expertise and don't be discouraged. You should be determined to find what works for you. Yes.
1: Yeah. And vote with your feet, Mm -hmm. right? If you don't feel like you're being treated well, take your business somewhere else. That's how it works. Yes. So that's how we got our first cargo bike. So then I started riding my bike everywhere that I possibly could and just kind of slowly figuring out, okay, we can go to the library and I can bring two bags of library books home. Okay, let's go to the grocery store and see how much we can fit in our bike. That was the first year of having a cargo bike, which was really wonderful.
0: I love that you were able to find the right bike with such specific parameters and that it ended up working out so well for you. Yes. But then as it does kids grow and needs change. So what was the next phase of biking as a family? So our
1: bike setups evolved. So, you know, we started out with bike and a trailer. Then we got the folding extra cycle that fit under our stairs. And that was perfect for what we needed. Then I got pregnant with our second child. And I rode through being pregnant I rode up to, I think the last bike ride I took was like two days before she was born. My midwives, every time I would show up an appointment, they would say, ah, did you bike here? <laughs> <laughs> say, yes, of course I did. It's so much easier than walking.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know
1: if any other pregnant women will relate to this, but I found it to be far more comfortable to ride a bicycle than to have to walk. You would have to have, paid me money <laughs> to walk you know more than a couple blocks but I could ride my bike 10 miles. right That was my experience. Biking was was wonderful uh, while being pregnant. Then we had a very small child that didn't really fit on the extra cycle anywhere. That's sort of the drawback of long tails, right? You can't put a kid who isn't able to sit up independently anywhere on the bike really. So we still had our trailer, so we decided to try hooking that up to the extra cycle, which made for quite the, the crazy train, <laughs> but I could do it. I could tow it, and so that is how we did the first almost year of my second kid's life. Uh, we put an infant car seat into the trailer, and uh, we had one of the nicer trailers. That actually, it has suspension, it gives a little bit over bumps, and then we also we ran the tires at pretty low pressure for a more cushiony ride, and she went for her first bike ride. I think she was about four weeks old.
0: So she started at four weeks, and that's what you guys did for the first year. What happened after that point? So after that, she was probably about
1: 10, 11 months old when we first started using the Yep Maxi seat on the back of the extra cycle. So previously, my older kid had been sitting in the yep seat, and then we got a Mm hooptie, which are the bars that go around the side. And so she graduated to a seat pad with the hooptie around her, and then my younger got the yep seat. But we would really only do that for short trips, because the wonderful thing about the bike trailer is that it just made napping so easy Mm, yes she wasn't even one she was still taking two naps a day so that meant that we could kind of go anywhere and she would just fall asleep in the bike trailer and I could just kind of let her be if we were at the park or wherever I've been known to roll a bike trailer with a sleeping child in it into some very strange (laughs) places so (laughs) I had felt really excited about like yes we're gonna be able to get rid of the trailer when it actually felt like maybe she was ready to ride in a seat, the trailer ended up being really nice for quite a while. Even though it made our, our bike rig very long, it was very convenient for sleeping. So we did. we kind of did both.
0: I'm really curious how you found that with handling, because in our family, we're considering figuring out a way to put a tag along on the back of a long tail bike, mm-hmm. but it feels like that's just makes the bike so long. And it seems like a similar issue with attaching a trailer to a long tail.
1: Yeah. I feel like once you're already accustomed to riding a long tail with a lot of weight behind you, Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of kind of adjusting your turning radius. You can't take turners quite, turns quite as fast, but that's really about it. I mean, it's more weight behind you. I felt like the year that I was pulling the trailer plus the long tail Was the strongest my legs (laughs) have ever been.
0: (laughs) Yes, I believe it. Do you still have the trailer or did you eventually graduate from that? Yeah, so that was
1: our apartment dwelling, infant having setup that we could fit the trailer, mostly kind of compressed, and our folding extra cycle where we needed to in our very small storage area. Then we ended up moving. And we bought a house with a garage, but we actually rent out the garage mm. because we don't have cars, so right? Uh, in our neighborhood, there's a high demand for garage spots. So we figured we would rather figure out how to keep our bikes in the basement. We just built a ramp that goes down about two feet into our basement, and then we rent out our garage, which is a wonderful source of income. And then once we had more storage space, I was feeling really ready to uh, shake up our biking setup because what I was finding—I'm pretty short. I'm barely five three wearing shoes. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not. I don't have a lot of mass. I guess would be a good way to say it. So there's some you know six foot three, super fit dads that can put like four kids on the back of their long tail Mm -hmm. and say, Oh, it's great. It's no problem. I am not like that. It's hard for me to control a bike with a lot of weight on the back, especially the extra cycle that we had was not the edge runner, which has a lower 20 inch wheel. So you get the weight of the kids a little lower, which really helps with your balance. These were almost 27 inch wheels. So the kids were kind of up in their seats, basically above my, you know, my back. So even just with two kids who were not that big, I mean, they probably totaled about 70 pounds. I was starting to feel nervous about it feeling really tippy and not being able to control it. And then especially because we don't, since we don't have a car, we try and ride through as much of the winter as we can. Right. But any sort of situation with ice or I was just starting to feel really uh, nervous. And children have this terrible habit of only getting heavier.
0: Yes. (laughs) So I knew it was only going to be getting worse. And they don't always stay still. So I find I have a long tail as well that isn't my preferred ride for some of the reasons you're describing. And, you know, if they suddenly turn to look at something, you feel it when you're riding the bike and you have to adjust. I am so much more aware of how I'm handling the bike when I'm on the long tail versus our cargo bike that has a lower center of gravity. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's amazing how
1: six inches makes such a huge difference, but it really does. So... We had this space and I was very intrigued by the idea of also adding electric assist. Yes. Because part of not having a car at all meant that we either take public transit or we have to pedal there. And I was also starting to feel like, boy, we can do a 12 to 20 mile day. But then I am Mm shot. I'm just so done. I have to come home and like lay on the
0: couch. (laughs) (laughs) That deters me from riding. Right. It makes it less enjoyable. Exactly. If there's that feeling of dread. Yeah. That's not good either. Because then it's not just while you're riding. It's leading up to it. Exactly. So I was very intrigued
1: by the idea of electric assist, which really isn't very popular here in Chicago at all because it's flat. Mm -hmm. So we don't have Giant hills to go up, so there wasn't a lot of information or i didn't and I didn't really know anyone else who was utilizing electric assist, so I had to kind of go and do some more homework. but I did also know that what we wanted was uh, more weather protection for the kids. That was my other number one important thing because you can only put so much long
0: underwear on a kid. <laughs> right before it's just you know bordering on absurd and their faces are exposed and with the helmet their ears i mean you can put something over them but it is they're not pedaling as the rider of the bike you warm up really quickly but they're just facing the elements without that benefit exactly yeah
1: so we had done two winters with both the kids you know so our limit was about 20 15 to 20 degrees was kind of as low as we could go before everyone was just Miserably unhappy. Yes. (laughs) And we had ski goggles. Ski goggles make a huge difference. If you can get your Mm. kid to wear them, they really help. But sometimes you can't wrestle a three-year-old into ski goggles. So weather protection was super important to me. So I figured from my list that I was making that a front-loading cargo bike or a Bachfeets-style cargo bike was going to be our our winner. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of options on the market. There weren't that many in Chicago that were available. I tried three different kinds. Uh, one of them, the standover height was too high. I couldn't ride it because I'm too short. The other one was sort of a more Dutch style classic feats but it's just painfully slow. I figured, you know, I really want to be able to ride this as much as I want to be able to ride it, not have the bike be the limiting factor. Right. So then I tried an Urban Arrow cargo bike, which is a front-loading cargo bike with fully integrated electric assist. It's a Bosch system. It's amazing and just totally fell in love head over heels (laughs) with this bike because it could do, it checked all my boxes. We... Decided to get one. My husband almost had an aneurysm when I told him how much it cost. (laughs) (laughs) I think he muttered something about, I remember when you didn't like bikes, sort of like. (laughs) Looking back fondly on (laughs) that time. (laughs) Uh, Now my wife has lost her mind. Can you share with listeners how much it costs if they're curious? Yeah. So the Urban Arrow sells for, it's a little bit under $6,000. Mm -hmm. And then you can add accessories. We added a rain cover and the front bench seat so I can fit four kids in the box, Mm -hmm. all buckled in, and then the rear rack.
0: I think there's a lot of sticker shock when people find out how much cargo bikes cost. I've experienced that when people just stop me on the street and ask me about our bike and ask how much it costs. And we have a Madsen, which is actually on the lower end of cargo bikes, but most people are still shocked because they see biking often as a, not as a tool or as a vehicle replacement, but as um, recreation and a diversion and a hobby. So it is a lot, but that's much less than if you had a car and all the associated costs that go with that.
1: Yeah. I always tell people, you know, when they almost fall over, (laughs) when I tell them, they ask how much the bike costs and I tell them. Mm -hmm. And then I say, it's basically like an electric car, but I don't get parking tickets. <laughs> that, and I can fit more kids in my bike than most people can fit, you know, in their car. So we actually, when we have to carpool with people, most of my friends, because it's a city, people try not to own large cars. Right. But you can only fit one other kid. But I can take five kids. Mm-hmm. So we're actually the preferred, <laughs> the preferred family to carpool with because I can take two or three other kids along with mine rather than, oh, well, sorry, I can only take one of your children.
0: Does the fifth child go on the rear rack in a seat? Yes. Is that how you can get five? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And that is your current setup right now is the urban sparrow. Urban arrow. Urban arrow. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's fine. And you've already talked a little bit about winter and how you do that with the ski goggle recommendation and the cover to keep the kids out of the elements. Mm -hmm. But do you have any other biking through the winter must-haves? Because where you are, it really is snowy a lot. We have very mild winters here, so just having the rain cover is sufficient. Love to hear if you have advice.
1: Okay, so I kind of tend to think about it in you outfit your bike, you outfit yourself, and then you outfit your passengers. So with the front-loading, feet style, I personally – I just feel so much more comfortable riding in slush and icy conditions because it's a lot easier for me to get my feet down mm-hmm. than on a long tail. That was another huge reason that I was interested in that style bike. So, for that bike, what we've done is we bought a studded front tire, which is 20 inches. So, it has these little metal teeth in it basically. And once we start getting snow and ice, we just switch that over. So you have more grip and control when you're riding. And those can be used usually for three to five seasons. So it's a $50 tire, but I will get a couple winters out of it. And it allows me to actually ride through the winter confidently.
0: Yeah. It sounds like a great investment. It is. Yeah.
1: It's really terrific. I can't recommend it enough, honestly. So studded tire for the bike and then some sort of rain cover. My kids don't really, sometimes they don't even want to wear their jackets. It gets so warm in the cover. It's almost like a little greenhouse. So sometimes they'll be in there. We're hot. We want to take our jackets off. Why are you <laughs> making us wear hats? It's like, you guys are making me look like a really bad parent here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right.
1: Um. But they have very, very few complaints on the absolute coldest days riding in the negative. I'll give them a fleece blanket, Mm -hmm. and then I'll fill a Nalgene bottle up with boiling water and put it down by their feet. But that's about it. The cover just makes it so easy to throw the kids in and go. You don't have to bundle them up quite as much.
0: I love that. You have your system down. Mm -hmm. And then for
1: myself... What I like to do, I think the most important thing is keeping your face and your hands and your feet warm. So I have a pair of ski goggles that I wear pretty much all the time because it's also super windy here. So I, I don't know. I feel like my eyes are very sensitive to wind and I just cry. <laughs> if I'm riding in the wind. So I wear my ski goggles all the time. People probably think it's silly, but I like them a lot. <laughs> And then I have a couple pairs of boots that I really like to wear and have kind of a good grip on the bottom that that's very important. And then I just wear, I I mean, I don't have any bike specific gear except um, my gloves, which are some people call them split finger or lobster gloves. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have a pair of those as well. Those are wonderful. Those are like, if I had to keep one thing, it would be those. They feel kind of strange to ride in at first, but you get used to it. Those were a game changer for me when I finally bought a pair of those. I do find that I like to wear a pair of super thin, they call them like glove liners, Mm -hmm. under those because I can't lock up the bike or do anything that requires fine motor skills yes. in the lobster gloves. So I like to wear a pair of really thin wool liners, which gives me an extra layer of warmth and wicking. And then I can take my lobster gloves off and still lock up the bike and do that kind of stuff without having any, ex- that's the goal, no exposed skin ever. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> because
1: even, you know, 10 seconds of your fingers being out when it's zero degrees is very, very
0: cold. Yes. And it's hard to ever warm them up again once that happens. Exactly. What do you do for your face? I just wear a helmet and a hat
1: underneath. Okay. Or just a something that covers my ears. I also have, I really like these nutcase makes them, but they fit on my burn helmet that I like to wear during the winter. They just protect your ears. They don't cover anything else. They kind of Clip on to your helmet with these little elastic bands, and they're like soft padded ear covers so they keep the wind out of your ears and keep your ears warm. So I really like those, and then I just wear my ski goggles to, you know, look awesome. <laughs> <laughs> of course. My general sort of approach to winter is that, and this is because, you know, we don't have the option of hopping in the car. So what I found is pretty much any time I decide not to ride, I end up regretting it. Mm, Yes. Because we end up either walking or waiting for the bus for almost the same amount of time that it would have taken us to ride anywhere. So we're kind of out and exposed more anyway. And my kids are always complaining every time I decide, no, I'm not going to ride. It's too cold. It's too icy. It's too whatever. I end up wishing I had just ridden because I still have to walk on the ice. I still have to be out in the cold. I still have to like frog march my children to the bus stop instead of just having them hop in the bike in the warm basement. So I try and remember that.
0: Yes, it is so much more efficient and simpler, even if it doesn't seem that way from the outside. Well, now we know a little bit more about the evolution of how you started biking and how your family has made it work up to this point. I would love to hear some more general thoughts about what has it been like biking with kids and people's reactions in Chicago to that, both positive and negative. So I have
1: the benefit of we weren't the first people at all who were doing this here. There's an amazing amount of sort of pioneer parents that started doing this 10 years before I even knew what a cargo bike was. So they they did a lot to raise awareness. And it's not a uncommon thing here in Chicago to see a cargo bike. And I think that's getting more and more prevalent every day that more and more people are getting cargo bikes, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's more like 98% of interactions with people are really, really positive. People say, oh, that that's amazing. Um, probably three times a week, I have an older person come up to me and say, oh, I wish that we had had this when my kids were little. Yes. Uh, which is really fun. And the best thing anyone has ever yelled at me, it was, are you from the future? <laughs> like, I love that. Yes, I am. <laughs> this is the future. Hopefully so. Yeah. (laughs) So mostly people are really curious and really interested. The hard thing that I hear a lot mostly from women is that they will approach me, you know, we're just locking up at the grocery store, the library, and they'll say, this is the most amazing bike I've ever seen. But I could never do that. Which I mean, I hear that all the time. And it makes me sad. Mm-hmm. That's an interaction that I sort of weighs on me
0: a lot. Do you think they're saying that because they would feel unsafe doing it? Or do you think they're saying that because it intimidates them to think about getting on a bike? Yeah, I think all of the above. The impression I get from it is that what isn't being in,
1: being said is either like, oh, you're in such better shape than I am. Or oh, you're so brave Mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe a little of, oh, you're so crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I just, I can't imagine myself doing that, which to then I get to respond. That's how I used to feel. Right. (laughs) (sighs) Which is fun. I really enjoy then being able to have that kind of explore that conversation a little bit more. Like, what do you mean? There's nothing different between you and me. I'm not more athletic. I'm not more brave. I had someone who taught me how to do it, Mm -hmm. and then I could do it after being really afraid of it for so long. And why couldn't you do that? Right.
0: I feel like it's hard to know exactly what somebody is thinking until you delve more into that conversation with them, because I often hear a lot that people are afraid and that they could never do that with their kids, the implication being that it's unsafe to do it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Which is sort of an awkward place to be, too, because I obviously am doing it with my children. (laughs) And so there does feel like there's that value judgment of I care about my kids' safety more than you care about your kids' safety. Mm -hmm. And I get it. I think that if you're not regularly riding and aren't familiar with the roads and don't have that level of comfort that just comes from riding, it is really intimidating especially to think about right away riding with your kids. That Exactly. I would find that in- intimidating too. You had said that you were riding first on your own bike while your husband had the kids. And yeah, I think it is, it's a lot to try and do all at once. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think it's also a matter of perspective, right?
1: So here in our city, Milwaukee Avenue is sort of the, they call it the hipster highway. <laughs> and it's the direct route straight into downtown It's one of the most highly trafficked bike uh, arteries in the city. And it's crazy. I mean, I would never ride on Milwaukee with my kids at rush hour. And that's not to say that anyone who does is a bad parent. Right. But I just don't feel comfortable doing that. I don't like riding on Milwaukee by myself. And so I think that that is a big, when I'm able to sort of talk with someone about how we're able to get to pretty much everywhere we want to go on quiet neighborhood streets, and that if we have to cross a major artery, I find a street that has a stoplight. So we're able to cross safely and not have to you know rush our way through traffic across six lanes that that kind of helps shift the way that they think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, like how would you get from your house to the library? How would you get from your house to the park? On quiet streets. And usually there's a really apparent route that doesn't even take that much longer. But that, I feel like that that's also the perception that people often approach me with is like, oh, you're riding down these crazy, busy, traffic jammed streets with your children. No, <laughs> I, I don't do that. But I do really enjoy riding through my neighborhood. Right. Where it's lovely and pleasant and I can pull over and You know, say hi to people that I know and stop and chat. And you can't do that in your car. So that also, I think, shifts the conversation a little bit when people are able to think about, oh, yeah, I wouldn't ride with my kids down Milwaukee either, probably. But I do know that I could get to the park from my house without you wouldn't
0: walk down Milwaukee either. Mm -hmm. So that shifts it. I also have found in general, I think people vastly overestimate the risks of biking and underestimate the risks of being in a car because that's something they're really comfortable with and that they do every day Mm -hmm. when the reality is that's a really dangerous thing to do as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I have been known to make some
0: conversations
1: very awkward (laughs) by informing people about crash statistics in cars. But it really is sort of shocking when you look at the numbers The last ones that I know are from 2016, but it's about 40,000 people in the U.S. die in motor vehicle crashes in a year, which is just sort of astonishing. So that's a 9-11 every month, but nobody ever talks about it. And that's not injuries. So then it's 4.6 million people are seriously injured in a year, which is just sort of mind-boggling when you think about how you just hop in your car and go right Um, and you know you strap your kids into their rear-facing car seat because that's supposed to be safer and and don't think anything else of it i had some uncomfortable interactions with people accusing me of endangering my children uh, at which point i felt motivated to go and sort of learn about wait a second here's the actual here's the numbers and Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna say you're a bad parent for putting your kids in the car But please grant me the same courtesy, basically.
0: Right. Because when it comes down to it, no one cares about my children's safety more than I do. And it is somewhat insulting to me for a stranger to assume that telling me to be careful with my kids or... Exactly. People can say that in very different ways. Mm-hmm. People can say that with the judgmental tone. And people can also say, I get a lot of, oh, I hope you're being really careful with your kids. But the implication is the same. Right. And I want to say, no, no, I'm not. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> Right. Right. Thanks for reminding me. I was being <laughs> reckless, but now I will be careful. <laughs> for me, it just really comes down to the bottom line is I care the most about my kids' safety and. And like you're saying, there's risks to everything we do. Exactly. So my kids and I last summer,
1: we were almost hit. And by almost, I mean, a car came within inches of us three times in crosswalks because it's a huge problem here in Chicago. People don't pay attention to crosswalks. And there's a couple particular intersections that are really designed poorly So people come rolling through the crosswalk. And by rolling, I mean like 20 miles an hour to make a right turn. Mm -hmm. They're ignoring the red light, basically, and they roll through the crosswalk and go to turn. So my kids and I were almost hit three times last summer, but that was on foot. Right. We were walking. We were not on our bikes. So yes, it's very dangerous to walk. (laughs) It's very dangerous to try and cross the street. It's dangerous to get in a car. It's dangerous to ride your bike, but I'm not just going to stay home.
0: Right. That's not a way to live a life either, is to make all decisions based on worst case scenarios.
1: Right. And on fear.
0: Because then no one would ever leave their home ever.
1: Yeah. If it's all based on fear, then we're not going to do anything. And so my husband and I have decided that this is a worthwhile way to get around. The benefits far outweigh the cost and of course if this is so morbid but like if something ever happened to us i know people are going to say oh well if they hadn't been biking i know but no one would ever say that if we were in a car accident yeah right it just feels like this really unfair double standard so i yeah i, I try not to think about that but
0: yeah no i totally agree cuz my mind has gone down that exact same path of what people would say if something were to happen, which is awful. I would hope that people would just be kind and understanding and supportive of us and our grief. Mm-hmm. But I, I also know that the reality is that I think there would be some blame placed on our family. And it is my worst fear. It's my absolute worst fear is that I'm going to get a phone call and hear that something happened to my husband on the way to work.
1: Oh, yeah. I am right there with you. But it's funny to me that other, you know, if my husband was getting in a car and driving to work. Right. Would I feel the same way? Right. And I do now. I mean, I, I just don't spend a lot of time in cars. But when we're driving now, I can hardly handle it. Yes. Because people drive so fast. Yes. I mean, it just feels so out of control and terrifying to me. I'm used to going 12 miles an hour.
0: 70 miles an hour feels like. This is just completely insane that anyone is allowed to do this. Right. You're like in a metal box flying down the road next to other people in metal boxes. And yes, I have found that I am also much more acutely aware of the risks of driving now that mm-hmm. I am not in a car very often. Mm-hmm. And I think it's made me a better driver because I feel oh, yeah, this huge sense of responsibility driving a car because mm-hmm. it really is, it can become a weapon if it's not handled appropriately. So yes. Yeah. I feel like one of the things I tell myself is that my
1: kids, I have no no doubt that probably at some point in their life, they'll probably own a car and uh, that's fine. Right. But I do, I sort of congratulate myself that they are going to be the best drivers ever <laughs> because they are already so acutely aware of how other people's behavior affects other people's safety, basically. Mm -hmm. They are the ones who are, that guy's parked in the bike lane, or he just ran a stop sign.
0: Right. Or they'll see the crosswalks and they'll stop for pedestrians, you know, that they'll know to look to their right as well as to their left when they're making a right-hand turn. And... Exactly. Totally agree. Yeah. I
1: think that one of the hardest things is parenting in public. Yes. That you don't have the luxury of pinning your child in their car seat in the Target parking lot and slamming the door. (laughs) Sometimes I wish I could do that. Yes. (laughs) And then you turn up the radio and drive away. I don't get to do that, which means that my parenting is basically on display at all times. And I'm sure that there are plenty of people who have seen me yelling at my kids at a stoplight (laughs) or you know, yelling, don't make me pull this bike over
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: because that has happened before. That's sort of a, you know, it just kind of can feel really vulnerable when your kid is like having a meltdown and you're trying to get them in their bike seat and then you're riding away and it just feels like everyone is looking at you like, look at this horrible parent torturing their child. It's a terrible feeling. Absolutely. Yes.
0: I mean, not that they should be thinking that, but I have felt that exact same thing before when I have a crying kid on the bike is supposed to be fun. It does not look like your child is having fun.
1: <laughs> exactly. So that, I don't know, so. I feel like I've just sort of gotten a thicker skin about that. And it's also made me more compassionate towards other parents, I think, that yeah. because I know how that feels so acutely to have that sense of like, mm-hmm. everyone is looking at me and judging me, that that has actually made me a more compassionate human. Yes. <laughs> Which is good.
0: Yes. I have felt something similar. And also that I feel like it's given me more confidence mm-hmm. as a parent. This is the choice I'm making and I can't be worrying what everyone else is thinking every time I go out. I have to just know like we're doing what's right for our family. And even if my kids are having meltdowns, I mean that that's right. just the way it is. And people can think what they want, but we need to keep living our lives and I need to focus on my kids and fixing the situation, not worrying about other people's feelings.
1: Yes. And anyone who's judging me clearly has never dealt with a three-year-old before.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I do think, I think most people are sympathetic. I think most people do get it. And it's probably a lot in my head that I'm thinking that they're judging me. Mm -hmm. And maybe what they're thinking is that poor woman with two screaming children. That must be really hard. (sighs) Yeah. It is in some ways me putting it on them, thinking the bad things about me when, for all I know, they could be Very sympathetic themselves. Yes.
1: Well, I should choose to think that about, I'm going to, I'm going to make an effort to believe that people are being gracious.
0: (laughs) Yes. It's good to flip the script.
1: (laughs) That sounds really good. The other thing that, just to touch on, just kind of writing in general, is that I think one of the things that I've become really aware of, just like how fast cars go, Mm -hmm. you don't realize how quickly a car is moving until you're on the other end of it, right? Until you're like on the receiving end of someone passing you mm-hmm. there. I've read this recently and it was just so interesting. It really resonated with me that part of the problem with car-centric society, a car-centric way of life is that there's no feedback loop because you are just locked in your own little metal box. And even if there's a interaction A negative interaction with another driver, all you can do is sort of scream at each other and flip the bird and then drive away fast. There's no actual meaningful interaction that happens. Whereas being on a bike, I'm able to stop and talk to people. That's one of my favorite things about riding, is that so often when we are stopped at a stoplight, we get to chat with people who are at the crosswalk. And, you know, the bike is a great conversation starter, but it's just this way of interacting with people from all over our city that we would never otherwise have contact with. And so I I love that. And then I think that that is sort of has become personally what I like to do. I'm not a threatening figure, so I also feel like I can get away with this more than if I was some giant dude. But if there is a a situation that is dangerous or someone's breaking the law and endangering other people because I'm not in a car I have the opportunity to like pull right up next to somebody and say good morning and I'm always like disarmingly super cheerful and friendly and polite and say like hey do you realize that you're parked in the bike lane and that's illegal and you can get a ticket and I would really hate for you to get a ticket and also, you know, you're sort of endangering me and my children's lives. Right. So would you like to talk about this? And usually people are super receptive to it. And they either say like, oh, I didn't even know. I'll move my car. Or I'm I'm just waiting for a minute. And then we can have that conversation about like, well, could you wait in this driveway right up here? Because then I would be able to proceed in the lane I'm supposed to be using without having to merge into traffic. So I just I love what that offers our city as a whole. If we were actually able to connect on a more human level, that would be a huge benefit to all of us. Whereas when you're all in cars, you're not able to talk or communicate except with a horn,
0: which doesn't really further productive conversation, right? It definitely does not. I love what you are saying about being connected to the community and to strangers and that sense of responsibility and that we're all in this together. We're going to end the show here for today, but tune back in next time to hear all about how Four Star Family Cyclery got started what they offer, and how Elspeth is working to create a new model for how bike shops can do business. You can find the show notes for this episode at familypedals.com, and you can find me on Instagram at familypedals. In the show notes, you'll also find links to Elspeth's social media and the Four Star Family Cyclery website. If you enjoyed the show, there are a couple of great ways to support it. You can share it with a friend who you think would enjoy it, and you can also leave a rating and review on iTunes, which helps other people find the show. Thank you so much for listening to Family Petals. I hope you'll join me next time.